section eighteen of seven roman statesmen of the later republic by charles oman this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by pamela nagami chapter seven cato part two the first occasion on which we find cato exercising a really great influence on politics was at the celebrated debate on the execution of lentulus and cathagus and the other catilinarian conspirators speaking as a very junior senator toward the end of the meeting he completely undid caesar's feat of inclining the senate to change the vote from death to banishment though caesar had been so effective that he had actually induced Solanus, the proposer of the death penalty to change round and accept the milder alternative the speech which cato actually uttered is certainly not that given by sallust who after the manner of other ancient historians has constructed an oration out of his inner consciousness for the words which he puts in cato's mouth do not at all agree with the notes in plutarch and the latter implies that he had seen the actual oration which was taken down at the time by cicero's shorthand writers the chief point in plutarch's version is that cato attacked caesar by name charged him with being concerned in catiline's designs for subverting the republic and said that he might think himself fortunate for not being on trial along with cathagus and his crew the unscrupulous sallust evades these points being evidently set on keeping out of sight anything that might redound to the discredit of his patron caesar cato's activity was strenuously displayed all through the year of the conspiracy but in that which followed he was even more prominently before the eyes of the public in the autumn when he thought that he might snatch a moment's leisure he had set out for his estates in lucania but on the way he met metellus nepos who was coming to rome from the east as pompey's political agent hearing that nepos was about to stand for the tribunate in order that he might lay before the people his patron's demands cato grew excited this is no time for rural delights he cried and turned his face back toward the city for like so many other romans of that day he was firmly convinced that pompey was aiming at a tyranny and that his return to the city would be the signal for a coup d'etat accordingly he conceived it his duty to endeavour to hold metellus in check and stood against him at the tribunicial elections both were successful and the year b c sixty two was made lively by their interminable quarrels their main dispute was on the occasion when metellus made his very unsuccessful proposal that pompey should be called home from the east to quench the embers of the catilinarian rising a project which he must have made on his own inspiration and without his patron's knowledge since antonius had crushed the insurgents at pistoria there was no serious work for pompey to do the proposal seemed to cato entirely sinister it confirmed the worst suspicions that he had nourished concerning nepos and his employer the project was absurd he said but metellus's stupidity was so great that it sometimes became formidable accordingly he determined to use his tribunicial veto to the uttermost while i live he was heard to say pompey shall never enter armed into the city this determination led him into the first of those riotous scenes in the assembly 
of which he was so often to be the centre during the next twelve years on the day on which metellus proposed to introduce his bill he packed the forum with gladiators and hired bravos and enlisted the support of caesar whose talents for mob management were considered to be unrivalled till clodius arose and carried the art one stage farther it appears strange to find caesar aiding a partisan of pompey at this date apparently he did so from sheer mischief one of his reasons being that he was disgusted with cato for foiling him at the trial of lentulus and Cathagus, the other that he wished to embroil pompey with the optimates as a leader of the democratic party he did not really wish to see the army of the east and its general transferred to italy but it would profit the populares if the pompeians could be induced to ask for overgreat and unconstitutional powers for their chief and it would be no less desirable to set pompeians and optimates at daggers drawn by inducing the senate to commit themselves to open antagonism to the measures proposed by nepos accordingly caesar lent himself as a supporter to the unwise demands which the latter was making on the day of assembly the mob which metellus and caesar had brought with them looked so threatening that cato's friends besought him not to risk himself among them but the element of personal safety never entered into his calculations he ploughed his way through the tumultuous crowd and found caesar and nepos seated side by side on the rostra at once he plumped himself down between them it looked rude but it had the effectual result of preventing them from communicating easily with each other when nepos began to read his bill cato rose and interposed his veto encouraged by the shouts of his partisans pompey's friend ignored the interruption and continued to recite his preamble thereupon his colleague suddenly snatched up the document from his hand and tore it up nothing daunted metellus went on with his clauses speaking from memory this was too much for cato who assisted by another optimate tribune one minutius thermus seized the orator pulled him back to his seat and laid his hands on his mouth nepos as might have been expected shouted to his friends that violence was being used against his sacrosanct person the mob stormed the platform and cato was assailed with sticks and stones his life was only saved by the consul marina who covered him with his gown and hurried him into a neighbouring temple seeing the coast clear and his adversary driven off nepos began once more to recite his bill but he had not got far when cato much battered though he was emerged from his place of shelter with a few friends at his heels and charged the rostra from the rear the whole meeting broke up into a riot order could not be restored and the bill was never carried probably caesar was as pleased at the fiasco as was cato himself for he can never have intended that pompey should really be recalled he had merely wished to provoke bad blood between pompeians and optimates and in this he had certainly succeeded metellus then went back to the east to report his failure to his patron after having denounced cato as an enemy of his country and a conspirator against its most worthy son accusations which not even the most fanatical democrat or pompeian could take seriously when at last pompey came home in person cato was still in the same mind concerning him he was fully convinced that he was aiming at despotic power and never attempted to separate the foolish projects of nepos 
from the very reasonable requests which pompey himself laid before the senate and people considering the extreme moderation of the general's demands there was no reason why he and the senate should not have come to an agreement and have united to keep down the democrats the two chief hindrances in the way were the foolish vanity of cicero whose conduct we have already had occasion to relate and cato's ungovernable suspicion of all that pompey said and did the general endeavoured to conciliate him by every means in his power went out of his way to explain his harmless intentions and even requested the hand of cato's niece servilia for his son Nias as a token of reconciliation cato was utterly unconvinced imagined that an attempt was being made to bribe him with a great alliance and sent away the friend who brought pompey's message with the reply that he was not to be caught with a female snare so far indeed was he from being conciliated that it was undoubtedly he more than any other single person who made peace between pompey and the senate impossible and ultimately drove the much provoked general into the arms of crassus and caesar it was cato who induced the senate to refuse to ratify pompey's treaties and grants in asia the plea which he used was that lucullus had also made arrangements with the asiatic states some of which conflicted with those of his successor in justice to lucullus and those with whom he had negotiated cato declared that it was necessary not to ratify pompey's doings on block but to go through each document separately after comparing it with the previous obligations contracted by his predecessor this was rational enough in itself but the result was unfortunate convinced at last that he would never get decent treatment from the senate the outraged general was forced into his alliance with the democrats there is something in plutarch's conclusion that judging by the event cato was in the wrong though much was to be said in favour of discussing the treaty separately yet the result was that by forcing pompey to league himself with caesar he indirectly brought about the ruin of the republic cato at this time made himself no less odious to cicero than to pompey by breaking up the concordia ordinum the alliance of senate and equites against the anarchic forces in the state which had been brought about by the catilinarian insurrection the consul of b c sixty three had enlisted all men of property in defence of the existing constitution by the lurid account which he gave of the conspiracy and its ends as long as the equites were kept estranged from their old leader crassus by memories of the plot the democratic party was shorn of one of its strongest elements but at last there arose a question on which the interest of the state and that of the equestrian order clashed the great syndicate of capitalists which had contracted to raise the tithes of asia found that it was making a worse bargain than it had expected and came to the senate with the request that the terms of the agreement might be varied in its favour cicero admitted in private that such a demand was impudent they had entered into the contract with their eyes open and it was by no means proved that they were making an actual loss but the whole equestrian order was directly or indirectly interested in the business and the orator was so convinced of the necessity of keeping them allied to the senate that he was prepared to support them not so cato he had gone into the figures and had come to the conclusion 
that there was no rational necessity for varying the contract why should disappointed speculators be compensated for receiving a less percentage of profit than they had calculated upon obtaining he made out such a clear case against the proposal that it was rejected cicero was disgusted cato he complained speaks as if he was dealing with the ideal commonwealth of plato not with our corrupt and decadent rome morally he was right practically he caused the resentful equites to quit their alliance with the optimates and to turn once more to their old friend crassus june b c sixty that by estranging the actual or possible allies of the senate he was dooming his party to destruction was no concern to cato his principle was that a loyal citizen must not do evil that good may come that anything is better than opportunism and that it is far more important to have a clear conscience than to score a temporary political success if evil days were at hand he was perfectly prepared to fight by every device that an honest man might use but he would not buy support from any quarter by what he considered corrupt concessions the crisis was not very long delayed when caesar came back from spain in the summer of b c sixty and the disheartened pompey consented to join him and crassus in forming the first triumvirate cato took arms at once his first achievement was to talk out caesar's demand for a triumph in order to sue for the consulship for the next year the returning general was bound to enter rome by a fixed day in order to triumph he had to obtain the senate's approval before he passed the gates there happened to be only one meeting at which the motion could be taken into consideration when it came cato beat the record of the ancient world by making a speech which lasted the whole day it was not a good speech as even his friends allowed but it served the desired purpose caesar more set on obtaining the consulship than the triumph was obliged to quit his legions and enter the city in order to begin his canvass he was disgusted with the obstructionist orator and never forgave him of all the opponents with whom he clashed during his stormy career cato was the only one for whom he nourished a real dislike he showed it by publishing a very bitter and unfair satire the anti-cato against his memory after he had fallen in the civil war a deed that contrasts strangely with his usual magnanimity to his adversaries after the turbulent consulship of caesar and bibulus began on the first of january b c fifty nine cato had plenty of occupation provided for him when the julian laws which were to consolidate the triumvirate began to be brought forward he came down to the forum to oppose every one of them at the first great riot when caesar illegally refused to listen to his colleague's veto and went on with his legislative proposals in face of every constitutional hindrance we find cato at the side of bibulus enduring in his company the storm of stones and blows when at last the democrats drove them out of the assembly it was cato who brought up the rear refusing to hurry as he went and turning every now and then to tell the unheeding rabble of pursuers that they were lunatics as well as bad citizens when bibulus had retired to the safety of his house and contented himself with putting up a daily notice that no legal meetings of the comitia could be held as he was intending to observe the heavens cato sought no similar shelter 
he came down to oppose the law for distributing the Campanian lands, and spoke so bitterly that Caesar had him dragged from the rostrum and sent to prison, though he soon allowed him to be released by a friendly tribune. When the question of the Asiatic tax farmers was brought up in the Senate, he tried to talk out the proposal, as he had talked out the question of Caesar's triumph seven months before. But the consul had him stopped in the midst of his harangue, and no one dared to protest. At the most important assembly of the year, that in which the disreputable tribune Vitinius carried the law which made Caesar governor of Gaul, Cato again came down to protest. He told the citizens that they were voting a tyrant into the citadel when they gave the triumvir the all-important Cisalpine province and the legions that lay in it. But it was to no purpose. Cato had liberated his conscience by making his protest, but he had no other consolation. All that he had succeeded in accomplishing was to make Caesar use illegal violence in a way that in the eyes of strict constitutionalists vitiated all his legislation. But strict constitutionalists were a negligible quantity at Rome in those unhappy days. End of section 18